Welcome to the Landscaping Podcast. My name is Joel Barnett and I'm your host. And today's episode is the 14th Instagram Live that we've done. What is today? The 16th of April. And in the, I did a couple of posts asking for questions. And in the second question, I said you can ask about uh, landscape design, construction, business, Irish landscape designers. And I've actually had a question come in uh, asking about one of the most famous Irish landscape designers. This is from Ashley James. Uh, he said, I'd like to hear more about that famous Irish landscape designer, Diamuid Gavin. Now, I apologise to Mr. Gavin because I've got no doubt that I've butchered his name. Um, but when, it, when Ash did a search, he was the most famous Irish landscape designer that, that showed up. Um, so all I saw was that he's got, I think, over 100,000 followers on Instagram and he's a TV presenter as well. Um, but I also actually have a question here from um, a fellow called Peter Donegan. And he said, should there be a select panel of designers or contractors for Mifkus to be an ear slash aid slash advisor to those newer to the industry? So I definitely think there should be, and it's something that I've spoken about with Brent Reed and other people as well. Uh, and he does the he did the um the border gardens competition this year through the London College of Garden Design. So he was kind of like a mentor for the for the people who were involved in that, as far as I'm aware. Um but yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, there's like, it's it's not that. I suppose it's a good idea for it to be there, but it's not that necessary either because it's kind of like an informal thing where people do it without um, without the official title of doing it. So uh, Martin Simpkin obviously offers advice to to plenty of people, like he's helping out students and all sorts of people throughout the build. Anyone who asks him advice, he'll help them out. Advice as well as building and staff. So. He's pretty handy with that, and Brent Reed is the same. Basically, anyone who's been involved will will help someone out. So, if you're ever involved in the future, feel free to reach out to someone who you know who's been there, and got no doubt they'll help out. And if you want something more formal, you could ask that as well. And um, and, and IMG are pretty handy as well. So, if you wanted advice from them or like a mentor, I've got no doubt that they would hook you up with someone. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good idea, and it could be a good idea. To be more formal, because obviously some people aren't going to reach out and ask by themselves because they don't want to, you know, bother people. Well, that's how they would feel, even though you're not bothering someone, because you can always say no if you don't want to do it. So I think it's yeah, it'd be a good idea to make it a um yeah like a formal thing. So yeah, particularly in the achievable gardens and the boutique gardens, or just people who uh, don't have a lot of experience. It's, it's a great idea. Uh, Beyond Landscape said, do you prefer mortar or adhesives around pools? Uh, any other techniques that you use? That's, it's a combination of both. Um, the best way to do it is using adhesive. And then when you – so you can use uh, like a – I've forgotten the name of it. I use it on cars. Sikaflex, you could use that. Sikaflex is a good way to, to stick things down to, to the fiberglass pool shells. Um, but any paving – the the you know the recommendations for most suppliers is to use tile adhesive for it, but to do that you've got to get uh, a pretty good slab done first, and then the pavers aren't always that consistent with the thickness. So that's the type of things that you're battling there. Um, I'm doing a driveway at my place in the next few months, and I'll be using tile adhesive for that. Um, but those pavers that I've got from Granite Works are all pretty consistent, so. That should be fine. 
Uh, in terms of other techniques, uh, when we're paving, we paint the back of the paver with a cement and water paste. So it's just cement and water until it makes a paste. And then paint the back of the paver and then you lay that before it has dried so that then it combines with the, the mortar or adhesive mixture and just sort of fuses together. Uh, coming out in tomorrow's episode, if, you, if you're watching this live or it's already out now, if you listen to this as a podcast, is Cam Frieden from Peninsula Stonemasons. And I ask him that exact question about what he uses to lay. Uh, and he's got a pretty, pretty intense mix that he uses when he's laying on the ground. So that's well worth a listen to. Certainly a lot more complex than than the mix I use, but I haven't had any issues with with mine. So there's uh, a million ways to do the same thing and end up with a pretty similar result. Ultimate Retaining Walls said, how do you turn down a project that you've quoted and won but no longer want to do? A pretty good question because um, that has happened in the past, even, even projects that you are in. Um, you've just got to basically be honest with them. So if your circumstances change and you can't do the project, like you may have taken on too much work or there might be something else that means you, you physically can't do it, you've just got to be honest with the client and try maybe try and get someone else to come in and help you out or just sort of recommend someone who might be available to do the project. Um, but if like if the reason that you don't not want to do it is because you've found you know, a particular client that you've quoted a project for and then they're starting to throw up all these red flags, then you definitely need to trust your gut and, and get out of there. So I've said a few times, your gut's always right. That's always good to to follow it because because as awkward as as awkward as it's going to be telling a client that you can't do their project, it'll be it'll feel a lot worse if you don't go with your gut and then you're doing all these, um, you know, losing money and just stressing about work because you took the project on. So it can get a lot worse if you. If you do it and you end up working for a nightmare client. So um yeah, the best like it would be as honest as possible, or just say it, tell them that your circumstances have changed so that you're no longer able to do the project and you apologize. And if you want to, you can try and find someone else to do it for them, or you can just you know, apologize. Like it depends how far you're into the project. But um, but yeah, tricky one, it's not ideal. And luckily we haven't had to do that uh, apart from a project that we were on and they were a bad payer. So then that's when we so that's another reason to do it if they're a bad payer. There's no point continuing to work for them if you if you can get out at a particular time. So the one we were, we were working for was uh, there were certain stages of the project. We'd only done one stage and there was still a couple to go. So because they were paying all the invoices late, I said that the price has gone up 5%. But if you pay your invoice on time, you get a 5% discount. And uh, they weren't too keen on doing that. So basically walked away from that one and haven't regretted it for a second. Uh, Miniscape says, are there any female landscape construction teams? There's none that I'm aware of. Like in, when you say teams, if you're talking about like landscape companies, uh, none that I'm aware of that, who are, you know, solely landscape construction companies. But uh, I've seen, I don't know if there, I think there's a building team and maybe either plumbers or electricians I've seen that they are solely um, women teams, which I think is awesome. Um Coincidentally, I'm interviewing uh, Brooke from Brooks Blooms on Tuesday, so that'll be coming out hopefully if all goes well, uh, not this coming week, the week after. Uh, so she started out, I'm pretty sure, doing construction and then started her own business and has grown that. I don't know how many they've got, but they do design, construction and maintenance, so they've got a fair old crew. I reckon they'll be close to 
could be at least 15 by the looks of it. They've got a fair few people there. So that'll be, I'm looking forward to having that chat. Uh, they've got a pretty cool company up in Brisbane, I'm pretty sure. Um, but none, but it's so if there's someone who's listening knows of a you know, landscape construction all girl team, love to love to know about it and then follow along and even get them on, on the podcast as well. And I've got two questions here which are pretty similar. Um, so Dan Foreman said, Do you believe the next 12 months is going to be hard for people starting their own business? And Eastern Landscape Construction said, Are others feeling the money pinch? calls for quote slowing and coincidentally i was uh, thinking about that exact thing just this morning about how because they talk the talk of interest rate rises like it's starting to slow but they're not going to be going down like they might they still might rise one or two more times but there's not going to be any relief for at least the next 12 months so um so yeah so i was thinking this morning that's going to be a tough 12 months and it wouldn't be bad to in a business sense to to fast forward 12 months because it's going to be pretty rough, I think. Um, so in terms of starting a business, it can be a bit, it might not be a bad time because when you're starting a business, you've got your overheads are extremely low. So it's not, I think it will be a lot harder for people who have already got a business and their overheads are already high than someone who's starting out a business. Um, there do seem to be less jobs around, but um, like we're still booked out for nine to 12 months. So, um, there's still a lot down in Geelong anyway, and I'm still getting inquiries for work. So uh, I reckon like we could double the amount that we're currently doing. We've got the work there to do it, but um, don't have the staff or the desire to do that. So, but yeah, but I think, yeah, if you're struggling within the next 12 months, you certainly won't be alone. So feel free to talk to other people about it as well. And I reckon you, I guarantee that they'll be in the exact same boat. So you might be able to help each other out in a particular way. I don't know what that could be, but um, but yeah, bit of just talking about it with someone so you can get that weight off your chest and and then maybe you will work out a way of helping each other out. So it could be, for example, if if whoever you talk to, they might have plenty of work on and you haven't got any, so then they might be able to have an inquiry go their way and they can flick it your way, uh, just little things like that. Everyone seems pretty helpful in this industry, so I've got no doubt that would be the case. And Tom Lynch said, how, do you, how much do you spend on advertising? I thought this was also a good time, uh, good timing for this question because we just had the garden show. Uh, and I, I equate that to advertising. Like I say that that's basically advertising because that's that's what it is. You're trying to get work out of it. Um, but outside of that, I don't do any advertising at all, uh, apart from these kind of you know garden shows. And when we went on the block, I mark that down as advertising. I haven't done any, I reckon, for at least twelve months. But every now and then, I'll do a uh, Instagram or Facebook sponsored post. But that's yeah, that's all I do. I did uh, again. It's just it's funny how these questions come up when I've been thinking about it. But maybe that's because I just think about a million different things. So every question that comes up, I've been thinking about it because I can't have a clear thought in my head but um i've got a an offer from uh, google google ads so if i do 500 worth of google ads and i'll get a 500 credit as well so i thought of doing that for the design side of things so we can build up the design work but in saying that we've got a um a commercial project which is going to take up four weeks and then possibly another two so we've probably got five or six weeks worth of work already booked in so we'll probably just hold on that 
until until that starts to go down, or it could be worth. Um, it might be worth trying anyway. And then because um, I wouldn't mind having another designer on, but yeah, you just need to have enough enough work to to feed them. So but yeah, so we don't do any advertising, but we did do in the early days. So um, I certainly would recommend doing it early on, and but and eventually you'll build up a name for yourself, and uh, word of mouth starts to take over. But you still to keep doing a good job and look after the people who prefer your work, like their designers. You've got to look after them and their clients so that they continue to do that. Um, but yeah, I think like I think there is a, a percentage figure of uh, your revenue that is like a guide, but got no idea what that is, so I couldn't even couldn't even guess. Um, but there's no point following guides if they don't work for your particular business. They just yeah. It's just like a ballpark figure. It's like when you're doing quotes, talking about um, square meterage prices. It's interesting to know, but it's not necessarily what you're gonna how you're gonna do things. Uh, Steve Nyland has got a question saying, "Which trade or industry outside of landscaping is the best skill-wise to transfer into landscaping?" My first thought is carpentry, because like when you're doing form work, or you know, we do a lot of carpentry. Um, I reckon that would be the best. And they've also they're also very usually very good at um, details of doing things yeah, with some great finesse. Because um, yeah, all the other things are a bit more one dimensional, like concreting and brick laying and um, plumbing and sparkies. Hairdressers wouldn't be any good. And dad's a dry cleaner that wouldn't really translate either. So yeah, I would say chippies would be the best one. To transfer across if you're wanting to do landscaping but in saying that uh i've seen other i've seen chippies go into landscaping and be no good at all so you never know what you're going to get you could also have a landscaper who's qualified landscaper come in and they're also no good for the type of work that you do so because landscaping is such a broad thing that you know not everyone does the same type of work so just because you've done landscaping or qualified it doesn't mean that you're right for every landscaping company that exists. Okay. Cascade Landscape said, do you think you should have a distinctive style or trademark with your designs? I didn't even mean to line that one up at this here after just talking about designs, but that was just where it worked out well. Um, so I don't think you need to, to do that. I don't think you need to have a specific design style. But what I said was to him when I was messaging him back was that it kind of just develops naturally, uh, and I was talking to MRL landscape architect the other day about that. Now, some there's, there's some designs, uh, or most of the designs at the moment, she's doing 100% of the design, but I'm not too concerned about that because our styles are really similar. So uh, no one would be able to tell designs that she's done compared to the ones I've done. Well, you probably could, but uh, but not at this stage. But it, yeah, it's not like one of us is doing you know xeriscapes. And the other one is doing tropical all the time, so they're they're complementary styles. Um, so eventually, I want to be doing you know more have more involvement in that, but it's not like it's going to be obvious. Basically, it won't it won't change completely change the way the way that we do things. That we you know a lot of the ideas that she's coming up with are pretty cool, uh, and I come up with some good ones as well occasionally. So, um, but what I talking what I mean about it happens naturally is that um like we've got a um 
coastal design coming up, which we're pretty excited about doing as well. So we work to the style that the client wants. Um, so there's some people who they'll only do this type of style that, that they like to do, um, but we're not in that point. But we just so we'll just work. We'll do whatever people want. If they want a native, we'll do that. Um, but I think what you would find is that when you've got a, you would have a certain style that you enjoy doing, and then you do you do that a better job at that style. So then, for example, if you're doing a, a modern style garden, you're going to do a good job on that. And then so you'll post all your designs on your Instagram or wherever, and then people are going to see the projects that look the best and they'll want more of what looks the best, and you're going to do better on the jobs that you enjoy doing. So that's how you would naturally develop your, your style is because you'd just be better at doing what you love doing. Um, like if you're not passionate about doing native or natural designs, they're not going to look as good as the ones that you are passionate about. So I don't think it's necessary to choose a distinctive style, but I think it just happens naturally. Uh, and the episode with Renata Fairhall, she was talking about how she was doing a lot of inner city courtyards, but she likes she wants to do more of the coastal style because that's what she enjoys doing more. And so it's also a matter of just posting more about the the style that you want to do more. Uh, Reese V3 said, how do you go about deciding the hourly rate of a landscape employee and does this change based on age, et cetera? I find it hard to offer someone the standard award rate based on the cost of living, et cetera. So I just um, start them based on the the minimum wage and then if they're worth more than that, like it depends on what what role they're doing, like if they're qualified or if they're a designer. It might be a bit different, but for someone who's just starting out, like if they're an apprentice, I'll just start them on the, the minimum wage. And if they're worth more than the minimum, then they'll get paid more than the minimum. Um, but, yeah, but you've got to run a business, so uh, it, it's kind of a balance between do you want to, like you, do you need to have people on because you need to get work done or are you wanting to support someone for, the, for their cost of living? Um, so yeah, you've just got to, and it comes down to charging enough so that you can support that. So um, if you want to pay them a certain amount, you've just got to work that into your costs. Um, so you've just got to include what you're going to pay them in a year, including their super and their um, work safe work cover. You've got to include everything in that. And then when you're working out your hour of the rate, then you need to charge. So I charge all of my employees at the same rate per hour. You know, just because it's not, there's no point saying this person is going to be here on this job because we're all pretty much on the same job. So I just work out, I just work out the like all the expenses, everyone's wage and everything, and just all add it in one pile, divide that by how many hours there are, and then that's the hourly rate for everyone per person. Um, but yeah, like as long as they know what they're going to be getting before they take the job on, then yeah, they know what they're in for, and they can and. And you might want to start them on that for the first three months as a probation period. And then you can tell them that we'll review it at the end of the three months. And if you're going to be worth more, then we'll pay you more. Um, but yeah, it's a lot easier to go up than it is to go down. So you can pay someone more, but it's not that easy to pay them less than what you what you start them on. And like people, people are often a lot more uh, productive and energetic at the start when they're starting a, a new job. So need to be wary about that that's why three months is usually a good time so you get a real sense of what they're actually like uh, Lazar 2016 said uh, online landscape services worth the money and would you recommend any 
So I inquired what he meant by online landscape services, and he was talking more about design services. Um, and once he referred to offer you a plan and then you can get other people to come in and do parts of it or do some yourself, so similar to any landscape plan really. Um, but there's none that I've seen, any particular actual online ones where there's no sort of person behind it. But uh, doing getting uh, landscape designs done Remotely, I think is absolutely fine as long as you're providing enough um, information and photos and, you know, what you want to the client, or to the designer, sorry, because, um, yeah, it's no different to, like, it's better if you can see it on site, but we um, will be doing remote design going forward and there's plenty of other people who do it as well. Uh, like you can do Zoom calls and all sorts of things to, to get a, a feel of what it's like to be in the space. Nothing beats being there, but yeah, I think they're definitely worthwhile. Um, but yeah, there's none that I know of specific online services. Like they're all just landscape design companies who can do it remotely. Um, but yeah, definitely worth the money because it also depends. Like you want to be able to make changes to it because when if you do the initial design, you might miss some things because you haven't been there. Uh, some things might not quite work out properly, so you want to be able to to make some adjustments to that initial plan. But, but yeah, I think definitely worthwhile. Andy came and saw uh, a question which I don't have answers to, which was the mentioned the pros and cons of natural ponds, maintaining the pump, etc. So I've only ever built one, um, which worked out pretty well, but I'm certainly not experienced enough in them to be able to mention the pros and uh, I suppose the pros of them are that they'll bring um, nature and wildlife into your into your backyard. So, and they're and they're also like awesome to look at. They sound awesome. Yeah, there's plenty of plenty of pros about them. The cons, um, if they leak, that's a that's a massive con, which often happens with water features. Um, maintaining the pump, as you said, that's also a con. I haven't had any, heard any issues with the one we installed. Um, so they're pretty good where they're very easily accessible. Well, you could make them like that. If you need to get to the pump, you can just do it. But then um, there's some tight fittings in there, so that's not ideal to be able to get it out. Um, but yeah, probably maintaining it and cleaning it would be the cons. But yeah, um, uh, there's plenty of more people who know a lot more about it than me. There's companies who are, you know, specific, that's all they do is natural ponds. Um, and one of the best who I'm... Um, I'm uh, going to be reaching out to. He's in Australia at the moment. Coincidentally, but he's from America. He's Greg Whitstock, the pond guy. So I'll, uh, when I spoke with Western Zimmerman from Sync It Up, he said he would hook, hook him up as a as a guest. So I'll probably try and do that in the next couple of months because he's a very passionate man. So he'd be good to have on the podcast. And the last question from Two Cubs Camping. Can you do another progression build video like the railway sleeper fire pit? Uh, that's a good idea because that that um, particular Instagram post is still going pretty crazy. It's just about to click over 1.4 million views. Uh, I've got like 5,000 followers from it. And I think it was January that that was posted this time. So that's in three months. And that was just literally it was a post I did two years ago and I just reposted it again but with different music. Um, and it's just gone berserk. So. Yeah, just doesn't make. I don't understand Instagram because I'll make some other posts which I reckon are awesome and they're really valuable, and then that one 
goes nuts. Like that's got that's valuable as well, but yeah, I don't understand how it works. But yeah, it'd be I would like to do more. It's just um thinking in, in advance of what's going to be valuable and um and also and taking the time to to film it all. Um so yeah, I, I kind of need to think of that starter projects, what's going to be good, what could we what's something I can do a video on. Because it doesn't add that much time to it. It's just sort of having to having to come up with the idea and actually do it. And so that's something I'll look I'll, I'll think of going forward. Um but yeah, that is it for today. No more questions. Thank you very much for everyone who submitted one. And so as I said, we've got Cam Frieden who will be out this week from Peninsula Stonemasons. So it was the first stonemason I've had on, but I absolutely love the chat with him. It was a very uh very passionate man about what he does. So I'll obviously like talking to people who will like that. Um and then hopefully we've got Brooks Blooms on next week. And then I've got a I said that I was going to do this last week, but I've got to message some people to start organising some uh, some guests coming up. Also moving house tomorrow, so not sure how the internet's going to go with the Brook Blooms one, so we'll see. If there's no episode this week or next week, the internet didn't, internet situation didn't go too well. But we'll be in touch and we'll see you then.